Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News, and I'm joined by my colleagues Matt Mosk and John Santucci, who are the lead reporters on the Trump investigation. Obviously, a big breaking news day. We had Robert Mueller speak for the first time about his investigation into the president. Quite a day in Washington, full of surprises. Robert Mueller is a good secret keeper, and no one seemed to know this press conference was coming. And he made some news. We conducted that investigation and we kept the office of the acting attorney general apprised of the progress of our work. And as set forth in the report after that investigation, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. The introduction to the volume two of our report explains that decision. It explains that under long-standing department policy, a president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. Even if the charge is kept under seal and hidden from public view, that too is prohibited. The special counsel's office is part of the Department of Justice, and by regulation, it was bound by that department policy. Charging the president with a crime was therefore not an option we could consider. And now joining us by phone, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. So, Governor, you heard Robert Mueller there. Um, What do you think? I mean, was he going further than his report with that? Or was he trying to send a message to Congress, you guys should go impeach the president? What do you think he was doing? Neither. I think what he was doing was being what Bob Mueller is, which is a Boy Scout. He was doing exactly what he was charged with. Remember, I've heard some people making comparisons to Ken Starr. It's totally different. It's apples and oranges. Ken Starr is an independent counsel who had an obligation to report to Congress. Um, Bob Mueller was a special counsel under the new post-Clinton statute only to report to the attorney general. And so what Bob Mueller was saying was pretty simple. He said, listen, we don't have, as a Department of Justice, the ability to bring charges against the sitting president. There's an opinion that says that's constitutionally prohibited. Therefore, we didn't make a decision on that. And there are other avenues available um, for folks to determine whether or not the president um, committed any wrongdoing. Well, I mean, that's exactly what he said in the report. Um, you know, that it's up to it's up to Congress. Congress is the only appropriate place constitutionally for folks to make a determination about a sitting president. And by that statement, but it was also contained in the reports. This is not new. Bob Mueller saying, I did everything I could. I investigated. I preserved the evidence. And now if Congress wants to do something, that's up to them. But why do you think he did this press conference? Because I think he had to say something he felt before he before he left. Uh, he's resigning at the end of the day today. He's closing his office. And and I think from Bob Mueller's perspective, uh, you know, he was doing exactly what the appropriate thing for him to do was, which is to summarize what he found in his own words, using words of the report. He made clear the words of the report are his words. And so he did that. And let's contrast this to the, the circus Jim Comey put on uh, the summer of 16, where he absolutely laid the laid the wood to Hillary Clinton without charging her 
um, and you know, came to all kinds of conclusions about the nature of her conduct, appointed himself attorney general, deputy attorney general, and FBI director at the same time. Contrast that with the quiet, concise, dignified, and lawful way that Bob Mueller conducted himself today. And it's an extraordinary contrast, which I think is going to lead a lot of people to conclude about Bob Mueller's judgment versus Jim Comey's. But in the end, um, Bob Mueller did exactly what he needed to do today. And I think he's, he missed the, the clear message he sent to Congress was, you can call me up there, but I'm not saying a wit's worth difference from what I'm saying right now, what I said in the report. And do you think he's going to get away with that? I mean, do you well, think I they'll think, respect him no, or do you think they haul him in? No, listen, the Democrats are supercharged. They will subpoena Bob Mueller and drag him up there, and then there'll be negotiations about it with Bob Mueller. And I think Mueller will say, listen, you can call me up there and you can put me in front of the cameras in public, but I am not saying a word different than what I said in the report. And no matter how many different ways you ask me and no matter how much you harass me, and I think the Democrats were at a real risk by bringing Mueller up there if they do it, and they're seen to be harassing someone who I think most of the American public believes is a patriot and did his job the way he was supposed to. But Chris, just look at what uh, the president tweeted right afterwards, saying that nothing changes from the Mueller report. There was insufficient evidence, and therefore in our country, a person is innocent. Can the president really say that? Sure. Sure he can. Well, I mean, listen, he can say whatever he wants, but is he accurate? You're, you're presumed innocent. You're presumed innocent. I mean, listen, that's what people all forget in this whole process. You are presumed innocent. It is the obligation in this instance of either the Department of Justice or with a sitting president of Congress for them to hold hearings where they can then make a determination whether he has committed high crimes and misdemeanors. If, if no one does that, no matter what anybody else says, the man is presumed innocent. But, Governor, this like statement— Every other American, every other American is presumed innocent. Why is the president any different in that regard? I, I was wondering, Governor, because the statement is so um, uh, carefully worded that he says— First, he says, if we had confidence the president did not commit a crime, we would have said so. And then he goes on immediately after that to say— they are not capable of charging a president. Isn't Mueller trying to send a different message than he's innocent? No, Bob Mueller's not trying to send any messages. Bob Mueller is saying exactly what he found. And he laid it out, that there was, there was evidence that he discovered through the course of his interviews that he's laid out to Congress and preserved for the Pope, the people who are appropriately under, uh, under the Constitution to make this decision, to make the decision. Let's take a and that's, that's, that's all he's saying. I mean, he's not, I mean, I know everybody wants to read signals. I think you, what we should all come to grips with is Bob Mueller is not a signal sender. He hasn't done that the entire time he's been running this investigation. This is the first time we've heard his voice since he was appointed. And the fact is that he just lays out the facts. Let, let's, let's hear a little more of what the special counsel said earlier. He was talking about um, what would be the resolution if there could have been some court proceeding. Take a listen to this. Beyond department policy, we were guided by principles of fairness. It would be unfair to potentially, it would be unfair to potentially accuse somebody of a crime when there can be no court resolution of the actual charge. So that was Justice Department policy. Those were the principles under which we operated. And from them, we concluded that we would, would not reach a determination one way or the other about whether the president committed a crime. 
Okay, so obviously there he's saying that there's there is no court resolution because of the OLC guidance uh, that you can't charge a sitting president, which we've been and talking because of about. fundamental fairness, and right. because of fundamental fairness, right? And and as and as you've said multiple times on our air, that is a jumping off of from the Clinton investigation, the Ken Starr report. Um, but yep. but my question to you though is that if they turn around and say we're gonna keep subpoenaing people, we're gonna go down the road of impeachment, buckle up, here we go. What does that look like? Well, the, the, if they want to do it the right way, they'll formally open impeachment hearings through the House Judiciary Committee. They'll call witnesses. Um, everyone will get a chance to lay out their facts, and then they'll vote. Um, but I, they don't want to do that. You don't think they, they do? it's a political loser. No. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some members of the House who do, but Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to do it. She wants impeachment <laughs> light. She wants to present all the ugly facts she can present. But say, but we're not trying to impeach him because she remembers what happened in the aftermath of the Clinton impeachment by the Republicans. So I've said this for a while now. You want to try to impeach him? Game on. Let's go. But let me ask let's you, go. Governor, would you think it would be smart strategy for Nancy Pelosi to say, let's go censure him? And then do you think Republicans may join Congressman Amash? I mean, do you oh, think no. if they did a censure for his behavior no or instruction, no one's going to care? No one's going to care. The country's not going to care. Those people who don't like Donald Trump will be overjoyed. Those people who support him will feel like it was a miscarriage of justice, and he won't move move the needle one bit. Um, Listen, they love to have a half measure here. They don't have one. They were hoping for Bob Mueller to do their dirty work. He didn't do it. So now, Democrats in the House, you wanted the majority, you got it. Now it's time to make some decisions. You're going to bring an impeachment proceeding, aren't you? Because you bring an impeachment proceeding, then all these uh, you know obstacles to getting people like Don McGahn and others to testify become much easier to overcome. But they they don't want to do that because they're afraid of the political ramifications. Can, of can it. I just stop you for a second? Why is that yeah. easier to overcome if, if it goes to impeachment? What's the difference? What 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 mechanisms are allowed to them that could actually bring these people in? Well, it's it, there's a much looser standard for them to be able to bring folks in, and it's harder for the president under U.S. v. Nixon to be able to assert executive privilege in that context. Not impossible, mm-hmm. but more difficult. So it's people a, like Do, people standard. like Don McGahn, Hope Hicks, that we know Nadler's committee has been reaching out to, they would not be able to rebuff the request the way they've done them thus far. It would be harder. It would be harder because the standard is lower. So it would be harder. I'm not going to say in a court would ultimately determine this. I think that it would be a lot easier to compel that testimony in the context of an impeachment hearing um, than it would be just in the context of normal oversight hearings. Governor, where do you think this is heading on the current trajectory? So you've got Congress issuing subpoenas. You've got the White House saying, no, we're not going to do it. You've got Mueller essentially saying, I'm stepping out. I'm not going to be part of this. Where does this go next? It goes right in the lap of Congress, and they've got to decide what they're going to do. There's no one. There's no one left to do anything. You know, Bob Mueller has done everything that he was assigned to do. He did all that he was tasked to do, and he's now said that today. There are other venues that are available for a determination as to whether or not a president has committed wrongdoing. So Bob Mueller has laid it out very clearly, consistent with the regulations of the Department of Justice and the Constitution. And now this is when it becomes very difficult for the Democrats. They've now got to decide. Do they believe that what's alleged in the Mueller report and in other places are impeachable offenses? And if they do, then they go forward. Um, But they are not considering that. They're considering the political ramifications for their actions 
And as a result, it makes it a much more difficult decision for them. Let's but again, isn't, that's wait, I'm saying game on. Bring it on. If you want to do it, that's your constitutional right to do. You're a co-equal branch of government. Bring it on. But isn't but, Bob Mueller... Know, they have but, to be ready. But, Governor, isn't Bob Mueller going to have to testify, even on the questions about the daylight between what Bill Barr said and what he just said today, especially on the issue about relying on the OLC opinion? Barr testified or said that in their conversations back in early March, he hadn't made yet a determination. But I think today, Robert Mueller seemed to say that he always believed that the president couldn't be indicted. So right from the very beginning. So isn't there a discrepancy there? No, because here's exactly what Barr said in that press conference. The, I, I'd leave it to his description in the report, the special counsel's own articulation of of why he did not want to make a determination as to whether or not there was an obstruction of fence. But I will say that when we met with him, uh, Deputy Attorney General uh, Rosenstein and I met with him along with Ed O'Callaghan, who is the principal associate deputy, on March 5th, we specifically asked him about the OLC opinion and whether or not he was taking the position that he would have found a crime but for the existence of the OLC opinion. And he made it very clear several times that that was not his position. He, he was not saying that but for the OLC opinion he would have found a crime. He made it clear that he had not made the determination that there was a crime. Governor, do you think that that uh, matches up with your assessment of it? I mean, it does sound like there is some daylight between what the attorney general described and what the special counsel said today. I think the attorney chair described it pretty well. I, I, I think, I think he's making the distinction, and 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 there are going to be people who argue it's a distinction without a difference, because if you can't make the analysis, how could you determine whether or not there was a crime or not? This is the difference between what these two men are saying, and it's very lawyerly. Barr is saying Mueller told me when I asked him, uh, but for the OLC opinion, are you going to find a crime here? Mueller said no. Mueller's saying, because of the OLC opinion, I couldn't even do the analysis. Like, why do the analysis? Because if I come to the analysis that there is a crime, I can't charge it anyway. So that's the distinction between what the two men have said. You know, from a substantive perspective, you know, it's, to me, there's very little difference. But I'm telling you that that's what the attorney general is going to say is the difference between what the two of them said. But doesn't that open him up to come to Capitol Hill and testify and that he's being a bit naive politically to think that he can go back into the sunset and ride off to the sunset as St. Robert Miller, Mueller? No, I don't, I don't think so. Listen, they may drag him up there, but I think it will be an ugly spectacle for the Democrats if they do. Because Bob Mueller is going to sit up there and say, I am under legal obligation to answer just what is in my report. I'm a prosecutor. I'm not here to give opinions. I'm here to report on the facts that we collected and the conclusions that grand juries reached, as we did in part one of the report with the, with the Russia interference investigation. But if I'm not bringing charges in the second part of the report, I have no business giving opinions. And, and that's exactly what he said today. And that's exactly what they'll get from when they go up on Capitol Hill. And we'll all breathlessly cover it when it happens. And it will be of no moment. Because Bob Mueller is not going to allow himself to be used that way. He's not going to allow himself to, um, to do what Jim Comey did, 
which was to make himself the spectacle. I think Bob Mueller very clearly used, what, eight or nine minutes today to summarize a 440-page report and said, thank you very much, goodbye. And no questions, by the way. Thank you very much, Governor. My pleasure, guys. Good talking to you. So, guys, obviously Chris Christie has very strong opinions about this. But isn't he forgetting the politics in Washington, John and, and, and Jerry Nadler and the power of that? What do you think? It's not over. And I think, you know, we were all watching the special counsel's statement. I mean, as we've said, rare. We have not heard from him at all since this began. 22 months long, never saw Robert Mueller in front of a camera saying a word. Um, and after those nine minutes, you were just sort of left with, but wait. Uh, I've got a hundred more questions to ask you. Like, well, where are you going? There's so much more that we want to know as the people that are obviously doing this every day, but Americans want to know. You know, he said that they could not charge the president a crime, and if they could, they would have said so, and if they couldn't, they would have said so. So what did you find? What did you have? What, What were you talking to witnesses for? We know that they brought people in for multiple days of interviews, not just multiple hours, days. His uh, former White House counsel, Don McGahn, 30-plus hours. Hope Hicks went in for two days. These are people that were so close to the president, and he said during that nine-minute statement he wanted to get them while things were fresh in their mind. What did they tell you? That's what we want to know. Well, listen, I feel the same frustration that John does because there are so many questions, but I do think on one point— uh, Chris Christie is is dead right, which is the Democrats may be miscalculating by trying to bring in Don McGahn or trying to bring in Robert Mueller to testify. People who have already essentially said, we're not going to come up on the Hill and feed you what you want to be fed. Okay, we're not going to help you. Fine. But then who are they going to well, call? Why aren't they calling the key witnesses over the course of the investigation, whether it's Keith Schiller, Trump's bodyguard, or uh, Rona Graff, uh, Trump's personal secretary? What would, what would those people say about the things that were happening during the campaign? Th- those are the people that I think would potentially be powerful witnesses that would would grip the country the way the Democrats want them to be gripped, as opposed to a Robert Mueller who is going to say repeatedly, I'll refer you back to my report. Well, okay, but, but except, but, but, no, no, no. But except ahead. I think there's real disagreement with what Rod Rosenstein said, what Bill Barr has said, and what um, uh, Bob Mueller just said publicly about the obstruction question. There are real questions. Bill Barr believes that Donald Trump was obstructing in public view Therefore, that doesn't constitute obstruction. That's a real question. What's Robert Mueller's opinion on that? I don't. Well, think and remember, there's the letter that Robert mm-hmm. Mueller wrote, which he said expressly, "You, Attorney General, did not describe in in the terms I found accurate." Our report. And then the attorney general firing back, calling it a snitty letter from a member of Robert Mueller's staff, if you remember. I mean, th- th- there's definitely some issues and disagreement and tension there. Let, let's let's not get confused here. This is not all, all rosy and daffodils. He's not going to engage. I mean, what he's essentially conveyed, I don't even think essentially, he has conveyed. He does not want to air that out in public. No, doesn't want to play ball at all, said the report speaks for itself and everything that I would have to say is right there in the 400 plus pages. So have at it. But just going back to what you were saying, Matt, about bringing those other people up, you know, someone like you said, Rona Graff, Keith Schiller, we know that they had closed door testimony before the House Intelligence Committee over the course of the investigation. 
Could it be that maybe the Democrats are actually talking to each other and, you know, the House Intel team is saying to the House Judiciary team, listen, we brought these people in, didn't really get much out of them. I don't know if they it's worth it. They certainly have auditioned dozens of people. I mean, but both on the Senate side and the House side, the number of people they've had behind closed doors, they would know who would be a powerful witness and not. But what we aren't seeing is any evidence of them bringing Anybody Nobody. Have to do that. Michael Cohen's the only one. He didn't even go in front of public judiciary. He did public in front of oversight. But really, I think the one thing Chris Christie said, which I totally agree with, I think the pressure, the what today's thing, yeah, maybe uh, it's a bad news cycle for Trump for one day. But I think this puts enormous amounts of pressure on Nancy Pelosi. You know, she is going to have to have one wing of her party who wants the impeachment to happen tomorrow and the other half saying, wait, be cautious here. And now some of the presidential candidates are joining in saying impeach, impeach. So this is a tough day for Nancy Pelosi, I think. Let's leave it there. Thank you for joining us today for this special bonus episode of The Investigation. Please be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a rating or a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thanks to our producers, Emily Wachowski, Trevor Hastings, and Caitlin Fulmer. For my colleagues, Matt Mosk and John Santucci, we'll see you back next Tuesday for another episode of The Investigation. 